0: Psalm 119, and we're going to look tonight at verses 9 to 16, the path to a pure life. These verses really lay out for us how we can live a life of holiness and righteousness in a very unholy world, in a life, uh, in a world that is filled with so much impurity and unrighteousness. Just to remind you, this chapter, this psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible, has uh, one great tribute to the Word of God after another in these 176 verses. And as we said, this is really a work of art in and of itself because it it is really built on the Hebrew alphabet. And there are 22 stanzas. Each stanza beginning with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each of the 22 stanzas has in it a series of verses. And each line in each stanza begins with that Hebrew alphabet letter. Now we kind of lose that because we're not reading it in Hebrew. But it is really a work of art that God inspired the psalmist to write. And so tonight we're going to look at the verses that go with the second uh, letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which is bet, B-E-T-H. Last week was Aleph, and tonight is the second letter. And it says, beginning in verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And so here we have uh, the psalmist talking about how we can have really a A pure life as we follow the Scripture. What God tells us in His Word. In verse 9, it takes cleansing. Look what he says. How can a young man cleanse his way? Well, the first thing to notice there is that that's something we should want to do. Not just a young man, but young men and young women and middle-aged and older men and women. We should all want to cleanse our way. But that should be a great desire that we have. We should have the desire to do so. It takes cleansing for us to be able to live a pure life, a life that is pleasing to God and brings honor and glory to Him. It takes commitment to do it, though. It takes a commitment of the mind and heart. Because notice what He says by taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. That's commitment. It takes a a decision of the will as you submit yourself to God, as you seek after Him with your whole heart. You see, God is not just interested in ritual, He's not so much interested in the outward signs of religion, He wants your heart. He wants my heart. He wants us to seek him with our whole heart. Full, full commitment and a full desire to be pleasing to him. The Bible, remember, says that Daniel, Daniel 1.8, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself when he was carried away into the uh, captivity by the Babylonians. Daniel, it says that of him. And he was in a foreign land. He was out of his support system entirely. And yet he knew that God was there. And it says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He wanted to be pure. He wanted a pure heart and a pure life. It takes that kind of commitment, seeking the Lord, with our whole heart, if we're going to live a life that is pleasing to Him. So I encourage you, just say like Daniel did, Lord, I want this. I want my life to be a pure life. I want it to be pleasing to You. I don't want to defile myself in the middle of a world that is full of so much defilement so much that can lead us down the wrong path. God, help me to live a pure life. It takes that desire. Now, is anybody, or any of us going to perfectly do that as long as we live in this world? No, we're not. But that, that's no excuse for us to not have the great desire and make that commitment before God. And then we trust God. And when we when we fail in that, we seek His forgiveness. And we get up and we let God lead us to keep going for Him. It's not that our salvation is dependent on this. We're saved by His grace. But our witness, our effectiveness, is largely going to be determined by our character and our integrity. And if we lose that then we have a hard time being used of God to share His love and His grace with people. If they can't see that we are under God's control, then it's going to be difficult for them to want to hear what we have to say. And so it's a matter of bringing honor to the name of Christ. And this is what we should seek. Now, how do we do that? We have to be cleansed by his love, his forgiveness that we talked about this morning, his grace to be a Christian, to give your life to Jesus Christ. You can't hope to have a pure life if you don't know Christ as your Savior. You need his cleansing power. You need to make a commitment that you want to be pure. You want to live for him and honor him. And then he sets out several things regarding God's word. How can a young man cleanse his way is the question. With my whole heart I have sought you, sought the Lord. Then in verse 11, first hide God's word in your heart. The psalmist says your word, thy word, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. You can clench your fist and grit your teeth and say all you want. I'm going to live a pure life. And then you can walk right out and fall on your face. If you're not hiding God's word in your heart. That's going to make all the difference. It's so important that we put God's word not only on the shelf of the home. Or in the basket that's under the coffee table. But the Bible needs to be in our hearts, needs to be in our mind, needs to be in our heart. And as God's word penetrates on an ongoing basis, it can lead us then to action, to live the way he wants us to, to react the way he wants us to. And so there must be something that conditions the mind And that's the word of God. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee, the King James Version says. It's one thing to be cleansed. It's another to be committed to action by putting God's word where it needs to be. And that is in your mind and your heart. You see, God reconditions our mind. We live in a world of filth a world of impurity. And so the only way that we're not going to be like that is if we are reconditioned by the power of God. That capacity is there for you as a Christian once Christ comes into your life. But you still need to be allowing the Word of God to penetrate deep day by day. And that is how God will help us to live the way that He wants us to live. As one writer said, the home is a good place for the Bible, but the hand is a better place for the Bible. The head is yet a better place for the Bible, but the heart is the greatest place for the Bible. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And in order for you to get it into your heart, you have to read it. You have to listen to it. You have to open yourself to it. And then God's Word penetrates into your very core, the very core of who you are. The Word of God, the Scripture says about itself, is what? Is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce into the very core of your being. And so this is really the key for us to living the life that God would have us to live. We have to open ourselves to the Word of God. We have to hide it in our heart. We always use this verse in vacation Bible school with children because it is part of the pledge to the Bible, isn't it? I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy Word, and will make it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And will hide its words in my heart that I may not sin against God. It's that important. It's that central. And that's why we need to open ourselves to it. If there's a drought in your heart of the word of God, then it's going to be really hard to bloom and blossom and be the person that God wants you to be. I read this about 15 college professors who taught human motivation. They taught what motivates people. Everybody wants to know how to move somebody, how to to, uh, lead somebody to do what they want them to do. You could say manipulate, how to manipulate people into doing what you want them to do. These 15 highly educated professors got together and they said, And they were told, we want you to study, we want you to discuss, we want you to pool your knowledge together, and we want you to write a concise statement on human motivation. So they studied, and they condensed this statement after hours of study into a very uh, short and sweet paragraph. What the mind attends to, it considers. In other words, what you look at, you have to think about. What the mind attends to, it considers, it thinks about it. And what it does not attend to, it dismisses. If you fail to look at it and think about it, in other words, you're going to forget it. And then the statement went on. What the mind attends to continually, it believes. And then finally, what the mind believes, it eventually does. And so they're essentially saying that you have to, if you want to motivate people or lead people, they have to be focused in their mind on something. And the more they do so, the more it alters their behavior. It leads them to action. And so this is why God, much wiser than 15 college professors, is telling us we must hide the word of God in our minds and hearts. And it will alter who we are. It will alter our behavior. Because this is not just some Madison Avenue PR extravaganza. This is the word of God. So uh, it's not only just something that we can focus on. It is the word of God that will penetrate into our minds and hearts and it will change us. What they're really saying is that what you pay attention to is going to finally determine what you are, what you give yourself over to. So if you give yourself over to the word of God, then God is going to dramatically Change who you are. So many people go through life wishing that life was different, better. There's no no, uh, way that that's going to happen faster than if you give yourself over to God's Word. It will change you. It will change me as we listen and as we allow God to change our hearts with His Word. Then let God teach you with His Word. Not only hide His Word in your heart, but you have to be teachable. Look at verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. This is what the psalmist is saying to God. Teach me, Lord. That's a teachable heart. So many people think they already know everything. They think they've already arrived. They don't need any help. They don't even need help from God. And sometimes you'll run into Christians like that. Even though there was a time in their life they accepted Christ as their Savior, but now they, you know, they, it's been a while and they think they just know everything. They even know, they even know better than God. They're not saying, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, your statutes. We need to be teachable before God, humble enough to say, God, I need your help. Please teach me. But be careful when you say to God, teach me, he will, he will. And he has lots of ways to do it. He does it primarily through his word. But he may say things to us that are going to convict us. They're going to challenge us. They're going to say change needs to happen. You need to submit yourself. You need to be willing to be different and to let God change your life. But, oh, what a wonderful thing it is when you let God teach you. And then thirdly, in verse 13, we need to declare God's word with our mouth. We need to hide it in our heart. We need to say, teach me, Lord. And we need to declare it with our mouth. Look at verse 13. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. So, we need to be willing to. To declare the word of God. That doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. That's one way to do it. Teaching Sunday school is another way to do it. But just in the general course of your life. Let the things that God says to you. Be what you share with others. In the way that you live your life. The things that you say to people. Declare the word of God. In the way that you live. Adrian Rogers said, do you want me to tell you how to get this and make it solid dynamite? In order to vitalize it, verbalize it. If you want to vitalize it in your life, the Word of God, verbalize it. So say it. Declare it. Share it with somebody else. Don't be afraid to speak up for the truth of God's Word. And not so much defending the Bible. God can defend himself. But to just say this is what God has done in my life. The word of God has changed my heart. It's helped me to not be afraid in the face of all the things I face in life. Share that with somebody who's afraid. Let them know that there is peace. There is strength. There is hope. There is power. There is forgiveness in the pages of God's word and that God has spoken to you through his word. It will become more vital in your heart and in your life. And then rejoice in God's word. Look at verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. The psalmist is saying, I have rejoiced as much in your word as I do in the riches of this world. Now, that's quite a statement because people tend to like riches, don't they? They tend to like money. But is there anything more more valuable than the very word of God himself and the things that God has taught us and shared with us in his word? Really, that's far more valuable than anything in this entire life that we will live on this earth. Because the, the word of God is the word of life, isn't it? It brings us to Jesus so that we can have eternal life. It is the greatest treasure that we will ever have. It brings us into relationship with him. And so rejoice in God's word with your emotions. To rejoice, it's the emotions of your life that are part of that rejoicing. We sing that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I think Wilma played it this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will go, grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. How do we turn our eyes upon Jesus? The Bible. The Bible turns your eyes upon Jesus. It shows you Jesus. It tells you about his love and what he did for you. And God's word reveals to us what he wants for our lives. So you're never going to find a better way to turn your eyes upon Jesus than to let the word of God speak to you. Rejoice in God's word with all of your emotions. You know, something that we don't always think about one of the ways that we declare God's word and meditate on God's word is when we sing this, when we sing, when we sing the hymns, when we sing the songs of faith. This is why singing has been so much a key part of worship going all the way back thousands of years. Why? Because it's a way that we declare the Word of God, and it's a way that we meditate on its truth. And so if you wonder why, well, why do we sing songs before we open the Bible? We're declaring the Word of God. We're, we're saying it with our mouths, and that helps to internalize it and make it a part of who we are. It's not just an add-on. It's not just something we do to kill 30 minutes so the service will be an hour long. Hopefully the preacher only preaches 30 minutes. That's not why we sing. We're singing because we want to give honor and glory to Jesus and because it's a way of declaring God's word and meditating on its truth. And that's the fifth thing we see here in verse 15. Meditate on God's word with your mind. This word meditate is used over and over again in this psalm. Psalm 119:15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. That helps to, that really helps to uh, define meditate from a biblical perspective. Meditation from a biblical perspective is not sitting cross-legged on the floor saying "Om, Om." That's not meditation biblically. Okay. It's not just bringing nothingness into your mind or imagining yourself on the beach in Florida, although you might not want to be on the beach in Florida right now. That's not what biblically it is contemplating the truth of God's word, letting God's word be something that you actually think about. You don't just read it. Okay, I'm done with it. I've read it. That's it for the day. No, you think about it. Let it let it let it kind of saturate your mind and you consider it, you contemplate it. And this psalm says it over and again. Verse 23, princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate on thy statutes. Verse 48, my hands also will I lift up unto your commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate On your statutes. Verse 97. Oh how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day long. You just keep thinking about God's word. All through the day. Verse 99. I have more understanding than all of my teachers. Have you ever felt that way? When you've been sitting in a classroom. I have more understanding than all of my teachers. How is that possible? For thy for. Your testimonies, thy testimonies are my meditation. The truth is, if you have the word of God in your mind and heart, you do have more understanding than just about everyone that you'll sit in in a classroom. Maybe not of a given subject, but of life itself. You do. You have more understanding. Because you have a clear sense of where we came from, why we're here, And where we're going. And most people in this world have no idea. They think they're just here by accident. There is no real purpose to life. And when life is over, that's it. That's what they think. And we see the the full picture. Because the word of God has opened the truth to us. Verse 148. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I might meditate On your word. So on and on, this word meditate is used. Meditate, contemplate, think about, ponder God's word with your mind. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Delight in God's word with your memory. I will not forget. God's Word. Well, if you have hid it in your heart and you've meditated on it, you've let God continually speak to you when you've declared it with your mouth, then it's going to be in your memory. It's going to be there. It's always amazing to hear and see the uh, stories of the prisoners of war uh, in Vietnam and other places, particularly Vietnam. There were so many POWs But they would actually, they didn't have a Bible, but they would work together to try to put together a Bible, actually writing it on little scraps of paper, if they could, of the verses they could remember. And they put together really large sections of the Bible because collectively they had memorized so much of it. It was hidden in their mind, in their heart. And so uh, it will be there in your memory if you let God pour it into you and then you uh, use it, contemplate it, and share it with the world. And so this great word of God will lead us to a pure life. This is how to have a pure life. I know that uh, you know, there's all kinds of self-help things, but... I don't think there's anything that will lead us to a pure life like the pure Word of God. We have to let it control us. And God will use it to make us the people that He wants us to be. Let's pray together before we observe the Lord's Supper. Father, we thank You for this Word. And thank You for how You use Your Word day by day to lead us to be the people that you desire for us to be. Only by your power and grace can we possibly bring any honor or glory to your name. It's not in it. It's not in us. In and of ourselves. But by your word, by your power and grace, thank you for the privilege we have of living for you. As we turn now to the Lord's Supper, we pray that This will be a continuation of our worship as we open our hearts to you to give thanks to you for what you have done. As we declare to the world your death, we pray that it will strengthen our hearts and our resolve that our lives might be pleasing in your sight. All because of what Jesus has done for us. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.